One of the things that we appreciate about mom and grandmother, especially a godly Christian grandmother, is the prayers they prayed for us. And many a life has been not only saved but salvaged because of the prayers of mom. Thank you, ladies, for that good song. Genesis chapter 1 tells us of the creation. It is obvious that man is the crowning of God's creation because when it talks about him making the fish of the sea and the fowl of the air, when he talks about making the plants and the trees, all of that is made for man. All of that is made for meat, for man, because man is the crowning creation of God. And I'm going to preach this morning a very simple Bible sermon on this subject, a biblical view of human life. I want you to follow along in the scripture, in the book of Genesis as I preach the message this morning. Uh, let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray that you bless the preaching of your word. I pause in prayer because I hunger for the power of the Holy Spirit to help me as I deliver the message. I have prayed, I have worked, I have prepared, but Lord, all is vain unless the Spirit of the Holy One comes down. And I pray that you would speak to not to just the ears as I can, but speak to the hearts and the souls as only you can. Do a work in our hearts and in our minds and our lives. In Jesus' name I pray, uh, amen. For almost 50 years now, the terrible and shameful practice of what is referred to as abortion, taking the life of a child in the womb, has been taking place in America. It shames me, it embarrasses me to know that this has happened in my great nation. I'm ashamed of that sin and I pray often for God to forgive us of that terrible sin and the immorality and the wicked, uh, wickedness that goes along uh, uh, with that. Multiplied millions of babies' uh, lives have been uh, taken early against nature, against the laws of God and His Word, against the very foundation of decency and morality. As I said earlier, I pray that we will in fact see this terrible ruling of Roe v. Wade overturned in coming days. In addition to that, may we return to basic moral, biblical standards of life and living. Folks, we need to teach our children to be moral, to be clean, to teach them what the Word of God says. Now, I'm going to preach this morning and give you three statements about a biblical view of human life. Here's the first statement. God is sovereign in the creation of life. Now, sovereign means the supreme ruler. He is not just a king. He is a king of kings. He is the Lord of lords. Sovereign means that there is none above him. He needs no aid or help from another but our God is a sovereign God. And He is sovereign in the creation of life. First of all, I want to say in connection to that, every life is a special being. 
Every life is a special being. Notice, if you will, again, the scriptures say, and God said, let us. Now, who is us? Well, we understand in reading not only this chapter, but other Bible references that is talking about God the Father, God the Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit. The Bible tells us in John chapter 1 that the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And so God said, let us make man in our own image. These verses tell us that man is the product of God's creative power and not the result of a random evolution. Man did not evolve from a single-celled organism over the space of millions of years. He is a special creation of God. I forget where I was traveling this week, where I was, but I heard an announcement. It just tickled me. It just tickled me. It did like he read a while ago and said, the fish of the air. No wonder I can't catch them. Uh, I've been fishing in the water. But anyway, that'll let you laugh and get over that and get past it and we can go on with the sermon. Did you know you said that? Well, surely you didn't. You wouldn't have said that on purpose. And, uh, but anyway, I, uh, everybody knows a fish are in the sea, but that's all right. I heard them make a statement. Now, now this has happened, uh, I think I was in an airport, this has happened over a, a period of more than a billion years. That just tickled me. I thought anybody have enough faith to believe in somebody to make a statement that they think they can prove a billion years surely has enough faith to believe the simplicity and the proof of the Word of God. And I want to say this morning, you and I did not evolve. We are a special creation of God. There is a difference in the way God created man from the other things he created. He spoke those things into existence. Ah, but when God made man, he took the dust of the earth. And by the way, when that body dies, it goes back to the same chemical makeup of the dust of the earth. And he formed man and he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. Man is a created special being of God. The animals were spoken into existence by the word of God and they are in subjection to man. God didn't make me to create, uh, he didn't create me to worship an animal. He made me to worship him. I'm not supposed to worship the creature, but the creator. And all God's children said, Amen. Now, you will notice that these animals and things that were made were made to care for man. Man is a special being. If man can be convinced that mankind is nothing more than the product of evolution and random selection, then life loses all its value. And the further a nation gets from God and the Word of God, the further it gets from the respect of the value of human life. The more we know of His Word and the more we know of Him and walk with Him, the more respect and the more value we place in and on human life. 
But if man can be convinced and be taught from the time he's in kindergarten all the way through grade school and high school and college that man evolved and give them a bunch of foolish random statements uh, and tell them that man evolved from a lower animal life, he can convince him uh, that a man's life is no different than a dog or a cat. You can kill him and he simply ceases to exist and uh, you can convince him that there is no God. When a dog or a cat or an animal dies, that's the end. Ah, but listen, when the body dies, there is a soul made in the image of God that lives for all eternity. And you, my friend, are just living in the body that you're in this morning. And you will live for all eternity, whether it's heaven or hell. And it's your decision where you'll spend eternity. Thank God as a boy growing up in Sunday school, I realized that I'm a sinner against God and God gave his son to pay for my sins on Calvary and I accepted his payment for my sin. Therefore, that person that lives within this body is not going to die. As Paul said, I'm going to depart. I'm just leaving this whole world and this whole body and I'm going to go to another place the real place called heaven to live. Excuse me while I preach this morning. If they can convince man that he's nothing but equal to animal life, they can convince him that he doesn't have a soul or a spirit. They can convince him there's no heaven to be gained or no hell to be shunned. And man is nothing more than an animal and he can be eliminated if it becomes necessary. I could cite and I could quote statements of what countries are doing as far as euthanasia and then even states in our own nation trying to allow folks to have a child and look at it and see if it's to their satisfaction and if it is not, they can take its life legally. You can write down anything you want to write down and call it a law, but my dear friend, life of God is special and God sees every life as a special being. Not only is man a special being, he's a spiritual being. As I have said already and read from the scripture, we're made in the image of God. That doesn't mean that we have an appearance to look like God, uh, but it does mean that we're made as God is a triune or a three-part being, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. You and I are a three-part person. You and I are body, soul, and spirit. God, a three-part being, has intellect. God has will. God has emotion. You may not think of God that way unless you read the scripture. You'll find the Bible said uh, that uh, it grieved God that he had made man. And you'll find all of the emotions of man ascribed to God in the scripture. You'll find that Jesus rejoiced. He was glad. Uh, he was hungry. Uh, he hurt. Uh, uh, you'll find those uh, emotions ascribed to God. And so God has an intellect, a will, and emotion. So so man is a three-part being having body, soul, and spirit. The body is the vehicle with which we move through and interact with our world. It is the body that provides a home for the soul and the spirit while in this world. 
Yesterday, I did the funeral service for Brother Dwight Buckles. Last Friday, he moved out of that earthly tabernacle. That body has already begun to return to dust from whence it came. But Mr. Dwight Buckles no longer lives in that tabernacle. Paul told the church at Corinth to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. The body that we have is the vehicle with which we move through and interact with our world. Then there's the soul. The soul is the seat of the will, the character, the intellect, the thoughts and the emotions. The soul is where we reason. The soul is where we love or we hate or we want or we reject. The soul animates our body and allows us to interact with others and with other people. Your soul makes you self-conscious. Ah, but dear friend, listen. We are also a spirit. We also are spirit. And while the soul makes us self-conscious, don't miss it, the soul makes us God-conscious. Not according to Ephesians chapter 2 and verse number 1, the Bible said that we were dead in the trespasses and sins. You'll let these three microphones represent body, soul, and spirit. The spirit was dead and it could not communicate with God. It cannot, man cannot have fellowship with God. He can know God in his intellect. And don't you misunderstand thinking because you know God in your mind, you know him as a heavenly father. Don't you miss what I'm saying? The devil knew there was a God. In fact, he believed with his intellect that there was a God. He believed so much that he trembled. Ah, but dear friend, he doesn't have eternal life. He's doomed to a devil's hell and the flames of fire for all eternity. Ah, but the Bible says, and you hath he Quickened, what does that mean? That means the spirit was made alive. And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. And we stand before God, body, soul, and spirit with the body uh, that animates uh, the soul within us. This is our soul, our intellect, our mind. Ah, but with the spirit we have fellowship with God. That little child is not like a cat or a dog or an animal. That child has the ability to fellowship with the God of heaven. Uh, that child has the ability to pray to the God of heaven and have its prayers heard. A cat, a dog, a horse, a cow, a pig. Uh, they don't have that. Ah, but God made me and God made you and God made every life born in the image of God and I can have fellowship with him. I want to tell you this morning when the choir began to sing and they began to praise that wonderful name of Jesus and the spirit within me that has fellowship with God. Friend, I was shouting and doing somersaults on the inside. I'm praising God because I can fellowship with God. God is the creator. He's a sovereign giver of life, dear friend, and man. Every life is a special life. Every life is a spiritual life. Second of all, God is sovereign in the continuation of life. God is not sovereign in just the creation of life. God is sovereign in the creation or the continuation of life. Hear this statement. God determines the dawn of every life. God is in charge when life is created in the womb. Men are not animals and shouldn't be taught like them or act like them. Man's made in the image of God. 
God determines the dawn of every life. Listen to the word of God. Genesis 25, 21. And Isaac entreated the Lord for his wife because she was barren. She couldn't have children. Her womb was barren. Isaac entreated the Lord for his wife. And the Lord was entreated of him. And Rebekah, his wife, conceived. That was not decided by a doctor. It was not decided by a chemist. That was not decided by a teacher or a professor. That was not decided by science. That was decided by God Almighty. Isaac said, Lord, give my wife children. He entreated the Lord for his wife. He was entreated of by him for her. The Bible says in Genesis 29 and verse number 31, And when the Lord saw that Leah was hated, he opened her womb. Hear me well. God is the giver of life. He determines the dawn of every life. It's time that men quit being God and judging whether a life is worth living. God's the one that gives life. We let God decide the dawn and the continuation of life. Judges chapter 13, the Bible says, There was a man, a certain man of Zorah, of the family of the Danites, whose name was Manoah, and his wife was barren and bare not. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto the woman and said unto her, Behold, thou art now thou art barren and bearest not, but thou shalt conceive. Don't ask me the question when life begins. You know when life begins. The games we play. The games we play as adults trying to entertain ourselves and entertain this crowd that think they run America. Hey, dear friend, God is the one that's in charge of when life begins. And he said to Manoah's wife, Thou shalt conceive and bear a son. And she gave birth to Noah. I believe Noah to be an important person. And may I say, though Noah was important because we know what he did, every person that God gives conception in the womb, God gave it, and that is a special life and a spiritual life. 1 Samuel 1, the Bible says in verse 26, And she said, O my Lord, as I so liveth, my Lord, I am the woman that stood by thee here. Talking of Samuel's mother, Hannah, she wept at the altar. Oh God, give me a son. If you'll give me a son, I'll give him back to you. The priest saw her and he heard her praying with such emotion and with such a hunger and a determination. He thought that she was a drunk woman laying there crying and weeping. Ah, but dear friend, she hungered to have a child in a day by the way that some would say, it's foolish to have children in this wicked day. Ah, but she desired to have a son, not for herself, not for herself, not as a trophy for her, ah, but to give him to God. And Samuel was given and was a great prophet that turned the nation back to God. And here's what the scripture says. I'm the woman that stood by thee here praying unto the Lord. 
for this child I prayed, and the Lord hath given me my petition which I ask of him. Many think childbirth is a product of a physical union between man and woman. It is more than that. There is a sovereign God behind the scenes that determines whether or not there is conception. He determines when life begins. God is sovereign in the continuation of life. God determines the design of every life. Not only does God determine whether or not there will be life, He determines what that life should become. God has a plan. God has a purpose. God has a will for every life. There are no extras. There are no uh-ohs. There are none that without purpose and plan. You say, but I know someone, and I say, you're trying to be God. Let God be God. But I don't think they should have to live. Let God be God. Let God decide when life begins and how life continues. I'd hate to stand before God telling God, I tried to be God. I'm not God. I'm just a mere human being that God gave life to. And the purpose of my life is to bring honor and glory to Him. And anything that gets in the way or between uh, that worship, uh, it ought to be pointed out God is sovereign. Uh, He determines uh, the dawn of life and the design of life. He said of Jeremiah, Jeremiah chapter 1, He said, I knew you. Your mother's womb, I knew you. Luke chapter 1, the same was true of John the Baptist, the forerunner of Jesus Christ. He didn't just give him life. He gave him a purpose in life. You and I are not the product of random choice and hapless genetics. We're the product of divine sovereignty. I'll say it again. You and I are not the product of random choice and hapless genetics. You and I are the product of divine sovereignty. Psalm 139, the Bible says, For thou hast possessed my reins. Thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. My substance was not hid from thee when I was made in secret and curiously wrought in the lower parts of the earth. Thine eyes did see my substance, yea, being unperfect. And in thy book all my members were written, which in continuance were fashioned when as yet there was none of them. He said, before I was formed in my womb, you knew every piece and every part of me. I want to say God is sovereign, not only in the dawn of life, but the design of life. Some try to use science so-called to discredit or deny the existence of God. What they're trying to do is use words you and I are not familiar with. And so, since we're not familiar, we don't argue. You ought to be familiar with this book right here. And if a doctor doesn't line up with the book, get you another doctor. And if the scientists don't line up with the book, just get you another scientist. And the philosopher doesn't line up with the book, just get you another philosopher. Because let God be true and every man a liar. The average body contains seven and a half trillion cells, far more complex than the most advanced computer. Each of those seven and a half trillion cells have 200 trillion tiny groups of atoms called protein molecules. The largest molecule is the DNA. And the DNA carries hereditary information from the parents to the offspring and also carries the genetic code. Every human that is conceived in the womb is special. 
is unique. Every human life is precious and deserves to be protected. The unborn child in the mother's womb is precious. Then I close with this. God is sovereign in the conclusion of life. Just as surely as the Lord God Almighty is sovereign in the creation and the continuation of life, He's sovereign in the conclusion of life. Neither man nor Satan has the power to create life. Did you hear me? Man nor Satan, we can't create life. We can't make life. Mr. Sparty Pants that knows everything in this crowd that's trying to tell us, well, we need to change it from mothers to birthing persons because we know men can have babies. You ought to get in and out of the house before you get run over. <laughs> Better sleep on your back and not your side. The brains will roll out your ears if they haven't already. How ridiculous and foolish. And that's what they're teaching in so-called education. Now, come on, folks. We don't have to put up with that foolishness. We don't have to listen to that. God is sovereign in the conclusion of life. Neither man nor Satan has the power to create life. Neither have they the ability to continue life. And neither has the right to make the decision to end life. God alone appoints the time of man's death. Uh, Hebrews 9, 27, As it is appointed unto man once to die, and after this to judgment. Uh, Job 12, verse no, number 9, Who knoweth not in all these things that the hand of the Lord hath wrought this, in whose hand is the soul of every living thing and the breath of all mankind. I taught a lesson one Sunday morning years ago on Peter. And God told Peter where he would die and how he would die. And uh, we, we told this in the funeral yesterday. Dwight Buckles came to me after Sunday school. You'll like this. And he said, I had an uncle that knew exactly when, where, and how he was going to die. I said, how in the world did he know that? He said, the judge told him. That was the only good joke he told of the thousand that he told me, but that was one good one. God is in control of the conclusion of life. God alone appoints the terms of man's death. By the way, that's why the Bible says anyone that would take another man's life and end that life prematurely, his life is to be taken. You say, I don't agree with that. Really doesn't matter, and God hadn't asked us what we think. He just said, here's the way it is. God alone appoints the terms of man's death. It was the Lord's will that Moses die alone with God on a mountain, as recorded in Deuteronomy 34. It is God's will that Jacob die surrounded by his children, Genesis 49. It was God's will that Paul die at the hands of Roman executioners. Sometimes people leave through tragedy, sometimes through disease, sometimes of what we call natural death or old age. Sometimes they go suddenly with the bloom of youth still on their cheeks. But every man dies. You have the best doctor in the whole world, and you and I at one time, this body is going to die. That's why when I heard the good gospel, what had caused death was sin. When I heard the word of God that the only thing that could overcome the death of sin and the wages of sin was Christ's death on Calvary. 
It's not difficult to recognize you're a sinner. We don't need a lawyer to stand up here and prove each one of us are sinners. And for those that do want that and believe they need that, I've met a few folks that said they'd never sin. Now the Bible said there are, and, and, and they had sin other than the lie they just told. There are books in heaven that record our sins. I'm glad when I got saved, he took every page of sin that was written in those books. And my sins, those records were cast into the midst of the sea. And he has never imputed a single sin to my account since. And I'm glad that when this life ends in one day, according to the will of God and the plan of God, my life is going to end on this earth. But when it does, I'm going to begin eternal life in heaven where there's no sickness, no sadness, no sorrow, no parting. I'm glad today that my God is in charge of life. Let's not be God. Let's praise the one who is. Stand with me, if you will. Not only does God give physical life, and He's the only one who can, God's the only one that can give spiritual life. You never called on Him for salvation. You ought to call on Him today. Heavenly Father, I pray that You bless the message to our hearts. It's ludicrous what we hear today in the news. And Lord, sometimes I think it comical and think it could just be a joke for folks that are supposed to be educated and supposed to be representatives of our nation in Congress and some of the ridiculous things that they utter. I'm glad that we have the record of the Word of God that sets every truth straight. I'm glad that you're the giver of life and I'm glad that you're the one that continues life and Lord, you're in control. I pray if there's one here today not saved, they would trust you as Savior. Bless our invitation, I pray in Jesus' name.